Hello and welcome. My name is Assad. My name is Jamie. We're two surgical trainees in the north of England, and this is the podcast that aims to dissect, to probe, to anatomize, and analyze what it is to be a surgical trainee. Welcome to It's Always Sunny in Surgery. Should we just go ahead and start? Yeah. <laughs> just jump straight into it. Um, so this week, uh, we are alone. We have no guests. It's like almost like our date night, isn't it? Like, you know, <laughs> one month, one night a month, we've got to set aside for some sort of quality time. Yeah. So um, I think it's good that we took this episode because we're going to make this into a little um, a mini-series on work-life balance issues. Do you have a work-life balance? <laughs> Actually, I feel like I do right now. I'm going to say life-work balance. I took a couple of days off beforehand. Well, it's a soggy bank holiday weekend, but I've not been in work for nearly a week, and it's been wonderful. It's been great, you know. Like, even this morning, I woke up with the baby and then um, kept her entertained for a bit. My wife had a lion, did a workout, played some piano. Um, I feel great. <laughs> I feel like... It, it it restores you, rejuvenates you. So more than I did. What about you? Well, I mean, it's a good time to do this because I'm currently unemployed, technically. So this is the most time I've had off since I was about twelve, probably. How do you uh, feel? Is it glorious? Yeah, it feels good. You know, it's, it's given me a chance to just get back into like the normal life. Like, you know, no nights. I, you know, I got back into cooking, like proper meals, which is glorious. I've been outside. <laughs> such a low bedroom. I've been outside. Okay. Uh, well, that's the thing. I haven't done anything special. I mean, I'm, I'm planning on going on holiday, but I've literally just been living and it's been really nice. I've sort of realised that you don't, you don't realise when you, you get into habits when you work too much, where, you know, you skip meals and, um, you know, you sort of miss out on like the normal stuff that people do when they're just living um i think i'm getting back into that um i feel much better for it i think it's so good for the soul i think doing all this stuff is is the only way that you can stay sane i feel like the big problem is the job takes and takes and takes and takes and we just feed into that or give it because i suppose we're so used to doing that I don't even know, necessarily know if it's the same for, for surgery. I mean, I feel like it's other disciplines as well. But you just, it just becomes the norm. It's the standard, isn't it? Oh, do this project, do this audit, do this thing. Oh, this case is running over. Can you stay late to do it? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you actually step outside the hospital for more than two minutes. And then you realize very quickly, like, oh, that, that, that there is a world out here. There are things happening that don't involve knife to skin. Yeah, yeah. And you feel like the more you give to your work, you're, you're taking that time and energy away from yourself. I mean, you were talking about the other day, you've got these different like areas, these people in your life and work is like this greedy monster that swallows up lots and lots of time. And sometimes you've got to like sort of keep 
that time and energy away for yourself. But I think the danger is when you're really throwing yourself into work a lot, you forget that you have to prioritize that. And in, in surgery, especially, you have to sort of like say, no, today I'm going to do something for myself. I was thinking in the last couple of episodes where we're talking about when the job just won't give you a break and when you try and get yourself up a, out of a dark spot, like Rich made a very interesting point, you know, spending time doing exercise, seeing your friends, whatever. And even Nicola talked about like doing stuff from your comfort zone in your own life gives you the sort of energy to carry on. And it's right, you know, we just seem to put that on the back burner. I don't mean to get super existential, but we may as well. Like we're all just slowly trudging towards the grave, and if we don't start living, then we're just busy dying. It's interesting when you see people at the end of their career. I mean, we've all spoken to surgeons who've retired. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, "You know what? I wish I'd worked harder." <laughs> they always say the opposite. They always say, "Oh, you know, I actually wish I just donated a bit more time to myself and my family." Neil Mortensen's the president of the Royal College and he, well, the outward going president or whatever, and he left some sort of address. Talk, you know, talks about his career. He talks about how he set up this unit, wherever he was and he's done this and then he's got to sort of the highest professional rungs that he could get to realistically, which is president of the RCS. And he was like, yeah, I kind of wish I'd spent more time with the kids when they were growing up. And like, that's his biggest lament, not... No, not I wish I'd done this, or I wish I'd done this, or I wish I'd pioneered this operation, I wish I'd done whatever, just I'd spent more time with my kids, you know, and like, I think he's something like 73, and he's he's still not fully retired, and he's thinking, what the hell, mate, you've only got like five years or ten years left, max, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly, I mean, I know that's the thing, you think about that when you when you seem to spend all your time on call, I mean, the, the last month, July, for me, I was just on call all the time, Um, I think it was like, I had like five days off, just on call. And I, I hadn't even done much operating as well. So it wasn't even that beneficial for my training. It was just pure service provision. I think when you're, when you're working too much, it feels like you're wasting your life a bit. Is this, is this what I'm doing now with my life, just grinding away? No, it's really funny you say that. I was talking to a consultant who uh, was doing an extra consultant locum. You know, she was the CD of the department. She's quite a senior. And I was like, don't you have stuff you want to be doing? She's like, well, sometimes you have to pitch in and do the stuff and the bits and pieces and I get in. Sometimes the CD forced me to do it. She's like, you're going to find me at some point sat there in a nursing home all alone going, sing for the next, sing for the next. <laughs> sort of distinct moment in my career when I realised the importance of work-life balance. It was when, when I first started as an F1, Yeah, obviously COVID hit. I was living on my own. Um, because of the lockdown and everything, you know, I didn't see many people. So I just threw myself into work because I didn't want to go home because it was boring. There was a consultant. It was an HBB surgeon of all people who was like, you need to go and get a life. Like, stop spending your whole time in the hospital. I didn't really know what to do. So I walked to the shop, I think. And then I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to walk around the park. And walk around the park and then got to the other end of the park. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep walking. Yeah, I spent about eight, nine hours just walking and walk from Southampton all the way up to the new part. You just do like a normal thing, like get a PlayStation like everyone else and just... <laughs> that's, yeah. Well, that's what they think. They, they, were, they were saying, oh yeah, go go like play your PlayStation or something. I don't have a PlayStation. I don't know anything at home. I just I had my own little flat. Um, so I think, it, you know, that was also when I realised the importance that it's, um, you've got to have like a social network as well. I mean, if you don't, if you, we have families now. 
who we've got to look after, and that's got its own that's its own kettle of fish. But I think, yeah, one of the things I realised during lockdown is the importance of having like a good, healthy social life because that can sometimes suffer, and you can lose that quite easily when you when you're working too much. Yeah, you know, you're right about families and stuff, and you know, you we you know we do have to provide and stuff, but there is there is a sense of self, and you do need time for you. Because looking after a family and, and, you know, being a parent, being a spouse, whatever, that's still like another job role. And mm-hmm. it can be quite all-consuming, married to someone, having a child, and then doing this job. And you do need a little time, for, I'm not saying loads of time, to, to sort of feel normal and feel a bit human. And I think what's nice, actually, Jamie, is you're at a real crossroads here. Like, you're about to start specialty training, and you can kind of get into good habits, like good for your life and your soul and your spirit and things like that as well as like good you know workplace habits you can you can start that maybe that's what we could talk about yeah i met once met a consultant he was actually ed he wasn't a surgeon but he was like he was my tutor at med school yeah. and he was like what do you do the weekends and i was like oh, i don't know you know it depends if i'm busy or not and he was like i as a rule never work on sundays like, if, if i can i'll always like just write sunday off i don't do any anything else except you know uh non-work related stuff i think that was quite nice actually a nice way of doing it um and i think that that's the thing is you've got to work it you've got to like fit it into your schedule as like a, a thing that's a priority like you know going to work or doing the washing it's like you've got to have that space where you just do something you want to do um i don't think doing the washing is ever something i ever want to do Oh yeah, absolutely no. But like, but you fit that into your schedule. It's like, okay, I've got to do that now. Um, but if you neglect it, then obviously you end up with a big pile of dirty washing. If you neglect time to yourself, you end up with burnout. But like, yeah, and exercise, obviously. I mean, you, you've told me before that you, that's something that you like to do and you've sort of fitted that into your schedule now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, what I tend to do is I like to do like a workout before I go to work. So, I mean, it means I wake up a bit earlier. I do them at home. I don't go to the gym and stuff. But I found that exercise is really important because surgery is like a young person's game because shifts along, operations are hard. Sometimes it can get quite physical, actually. You know, and you're, like, having to hold this thing back and you've got someone who's a bit chunk and you've got a hold back of a tractor that's holding 20, 30 kilos of fat out of the way or whatever it is. Um, you, you do need to have some sort of physical stamina to do it. Plus, I find that it helps me be a bit calmer. It helps me sleep better. And I tend to find I have more energy. So it became one of these things where I don't, really want to do it when I get back from work because you've been you're doing an elective list and you've done an all day list and then it's like six, seven o'clock and then you've got to get into evening routine. It becomes really hard to do it then and you do need time to unwind. So I tend to get up in the mornings and just do like 30, 40 minutes, a bit of lifting weight. Sometimes I'll go for a run. Sometimes I'll do whatever. And I've just found that that sets me up for quite a good day. I feel awake. I feel alert. It's when I when I walk into the hospital in the morning, I feel quite calm. I feel quite zen. I've already had some massive expenditure of energy, 
Uh, and um, I'm usually fairly ready to like get going, you know, like make the most of the day. Plus, then I don't feel so bad when I come home and I think I can't bother moving. I'm just going to sit on the sofa and just do now, or we're just going to watch some sort of crap TV or whatever. And paradoxically, when I don't do it, I, I find that my sleep habits kind of get a bit, and I find that I'm more tired and I have less energy. Uh, I'm not trying to get puritanical about exercise, but I just find it's like um, it's a good component of trying to maintain some semblance of a healthy life. Yeah, and I found that waking up early, like because you mentioned it, like you get home from work, that time in the evenings goes by really quickly because you're just exhausted. And, you know, you just blurge out on the sofa. It's very difficult to find the energy to actually do something that's really good for you and that will um like exercise or any kind of other activity i found when i'm on nights especially because i my it's kind of reversed i'll get home from the night shift go straight to sleep and then i'll wake up reasonably early and have like a few hours before i go to work and i found like i was actually getting so much more done i was going for runs i was actually answering my emails which i never <laughs> because that I, was, I, had, I had more energy during those couple hours that i had um to myself um, when I'm on nights. It sounds paradoxical. I haven't done shifts for a while, but I try and do a workout just before I go into a night shift or a couple of hours before. Or I'd come home and if I was really wired, like really awake, then do one quickly. And then I'd feel so exhausted, I'd just sort of fall into bed into heat and then sleep really well. And I would sleep sort of sleep through and wake up six, seven, eight hours later feeling like quite refreshed. So yeah. I think that's probably one of the one of the things that I found most beneficial. And we don't need to spend ages talking about it. I'm sure you can ask an anaesthetist about the physiological benefits of exercise. But it's good for the body. And then it, in turn, I feel like it's good for, for for the mind. And I just feel less stressed. And then when I'm less stressed, I sleep better. And then I feel more alert and more awake and whatever, whatever. And lifting not heavy weights, just small weights that I can keep at home means that it's easier to hold a retractor someone who's a bit chunky like you've got the morris and you're there for a couple of hours while they're fiddling around in the pelvis you're like oh that's hard work you don't come away with the same sort of strain or also if you are operating at someone who's a different height to you and they've got the table at a position that's inconvenient if you've done a bit of like physical work and you feel like you've got kind of stronger muscles it becomes less of an ordeal and the other one i think is really important if you're doing lap stuff shoulders will only take a few months of continuously doing laparoscopic work and if you've got your shoulders up there like this they, they become really really sore whereas if you do a little bit of exercise a little bit of shoulder maintenance and then it becomes a lot more comfortable or the ergonomics but even then the ergonomics is is hard to maintain when you're learning yeah so what else do you do with free time then i, I make a little bit of time for hobbies so my big one at the minute i'm doing that thing that people tell you is a cardinal sin i'm learning piano as an adult so they're always like, no, don't ever learn piano. Don't ever learn piano. But I, I find it very cathartic. I find it very soothing, very relaxing. And so I'll probably just come home and, you know, I'll say hello to the baby. He'll say hello to my wife, whatever. I put my stuff down. And at some point in the day or the evening, I'll just play piano for like 10, 15 minutes. And just doing that, I just feel like a sense of calm washing over me. Even guitar, like I'll just, I, I grew up playing guitar. So like I'll just 10, 15 minutes a day that allows me to kind of, it kind of sucks me in, you know, like it's, it's, it's an all consuming hobby, 
because learning piano is quite difficult and you know i've got to look at a stave i've got to look at the the, the keys and i've kind of got a process and because i'm not not good at all it requires a lot of cognitive power to to do it and so because it's so absorbing i, I kind of switch off and work very quickly it's sometimes this sense of achievement that you get like if you've learned a song or you know something like that like for me i just if i like making stuff that's why i like cooking and um like carpentry and stuff because the sense of achievement when you've successfully like produced something that's why i like those sorts of hobbies maybe i should get a playstation maybe there is a <laughs> sense of achievement when you complete a level in a game or something i know you know what there, there is a lot of things to say about that because sometimes games are really engrossing and like i grew up playing games and you know people told me oh it's really bad for you you'll never get anything out of it but actually it can be quite soothing so cer- certain games probably drive up your blood pressure, but they're still enjoyable. And certain games I find very cathartic and very soothing. And I, I do that. And actually, amongst some of my non-medical friends, we we sometimes meet up and play like tabletop board games, not like Scrabble, but like you, there's a Skyrim board game. And we tried playing that and it's pretty hard, but maybe it's a bit lame, but it's actually quite nice to meet up with people, interact and then just do a social activity which is quite soothing we're all going through a bit of a wobble with like jobs and demands and stuff that we have to do so it just became like this giant bitching session um oh wait you rolled a four i hate my job it's so so shit i'm so fed up steve in a council answer oh yeah pass me that card you know it became like that and um it was actually really good it was really cathartic so seeing people i think is although Sometimes you might be an introvert, and the days when, like, I quite like my own company. You know, I kind of want to just sit there and, like, on my own, play piano, play guitar, just sit, you know, play games solo, single player. Yeah, I just don't, I don't think you necessarily have to go out and see other people. It is nice, and it can give you some externality, but it is also great just spending time by yourself. Well, I've got a friend who um he. Goes off on these long walks, mainly around Scotland, like proper in the, you know, middle of nowhere, like Isle of Skye and places for like two weeks camping. It certainly like benefits him. It's certainly something I would like to do if I've got the time off, but I think my wife might have something to say about it if I just just went off and left her on her own. But, you know, sometimes time on your own like that, you know, just you and your own thoughts, it's kind of, uh, it's a way of getting your head straight. There's so many studies about the benefits of nature and mental health, and we don't need to delve into that. But actually going for walks is really good. And you'd be amazed at how many walks there are in your immediate vicinity. There's a national walking route, national cycle routes that connect basically everywhere to everywhere. Within a four or five mile radius, there was like 15 recognised walks that you could go on. And some of them were just, just really good just to get out of the house go for a bit of a wander, a bit of a meander. Even if you don't want to see people, you don't have to see people. You can just sort of go for a potter, stop by the river, take a couple of buddies, have a sandwich, whatever, whatever, whatever. Every single county, every single city will have somewhere that you can go, which is just a little bit off the beaten track. And you, the likelihood is you don't know these exist. You'll drive past so many of them and not realise exactly where you are. Especially in the northwest, you've got loads. Um I mean, you've got the lakes on your doorstep pretty much. It's not far. That's pretty sweet, actually. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And having been to the lakes quite a lot, I went, I, I once did a job which required us to go to the lakes for clinic. So the only timetable you in for a PM clinic because the commute was so long, 
And obviously then you get home late, but you could play him for that. Um, there were times when I would just go, I'd set off in the morning and I would take like some running gear or go find a cycle hire shop. And I would just sort of I'd be like, I've got a clinic in three hours, but I'm just going to cycle around the legs for a little bit. And, and I can't <laughs> tell you, I loved going to clinic. They'd find other trainees like, who were saying, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I was like, I'll go. And they were like, do, do you mind going? No, no, I literally love it. I go there. I, I go for a walk around Windermere or Al- Bowness or somewhere like that. Go for a little potter, da, 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 30 minutes to clinic, and I do my clinic, and it felt great. It's interesting because I, I, I used to have more of that attitude where I was like, you really got to throw yourself into work. And I did for several years, especially when I was a medical student, actually. I spent a lot of time uh, when I wasn't, um, you know, on placement or whatever. I was working on things for my portfolio. Um, I remember I sent my um, portfolio off for, for the core training thing. And I was just looking through all the other stuff that I hadn't, even included in the portfolio and i was just like that was all wasted life (laughs) the things i could have done um instead of doing you know all this stuff which has just turned out to be pointless in anyway and i think yeah that was my my biggest regret um leaving med school is i didn't actually spend more time you know getting involved with the sporting clubs and all that stuff just because i'd sort of thrown myself into to the, the course so much um, so I, that's when I sort of realized, you know, I don't want to get to the end of my surgical training and then get to the end of like my career in total and look back in the same way. Part of maintaining a work-life balance is I think you've got to be smart with the time that you spend in work. So back to the concepts of like my sort of typical working day is what I'll do is I'll, I'll do my little workout. I'll try and get into work early consent and mark and do all that stuff figure out what i've got to figure out when the patient's in the anesthetic room and we're waiting sometimes it can take a while actually um and you never want to hurry any this that's when i do most of my portfolio stuff i'll you know I'll do my ascp i'll make sure my logbook's up to date if i've got a project i'll do some project stuff there because it's essentially it's dead time it's time where you sat there waiting and waiting and waiting and you can't do anything and I just think you may as well get it all done then. Because when you finish and lists overrun and things get cancelled, you then have to come home and then you have to do it. So you may as well just get it done so it's not eating into your own time. Uh, that's one thing that I do, which has been really, really helpful. You know, you'll sometimes find people just to say, oh, I'll just go sit in the coffee room and I'll wait and then someone will come and get me. And I think that's fine. You can have a little bit of a chit-chat. But you can effectively capitalize on your training by just using the minutes in your day so that it doesn't chew into your personal life. You then don't feel guilty. You then don't have to go, yeah, I've got to do WBAs. I've got to do this. I've got to send off this MSF or whatever it is. You've done it all. You've done it all in the, in the, in the time in, in your day that you have. And then I think the other thing that I've started doing now, which I didn't do before, but I definitely do now is that I, I'm just, I'm not hanging around. I don't hang around to wait for do to do stuff. I just think if there's not a lot happening and nothing really I'm needed for, then uh, I'm going to go. 
And if someone needs me, then they'll call me and they'll say, do X, Y, Z thing. And if people want you, they can call you. That's fine. I think that gets easier when you get to the most like specialty training um, stage. If you're an SHO, yeah. the expectation is if you're not doing anything, then go and find something to do. <laughs> uh, you've got a bit more freedom when you get up to the higher stages of your career. And so you can actually like, you have a bit more control over your time as such. Yeah, and, and I think it is important because, let's call it what it is, a life-work balance. Like, we're humans first and foremost. We're people. We have, like, dreams and aspirations and stuff that we want to do. And, our, like, don't mean to get depressing, but our time on this earth is short, so we may as well devote a bit of time to getting that stuff done. And it's it's doable. It's permissible. It is permissible. We have got less than full-time training. That is the thing. You don't even have to give a reason anymore. You can just say, look, I've had enough. I've known people just say, look, this job's getting to me now and I either quit and find something else more filling or you let me go less than full-time training. And even like training that I had, like big, big, scary TPD, who was told actually when he started, you know, the way this goes is knife before wife. That's the decision you have to make. You're choosing to do this, you put your knife first. And I think he did. He took a very like relaxed view of this. So when I spoke to this person, he said, you got less than full-time. He's like, yeah. So how did you convince this guy to give you less than full-time as, as, a, as a, a person with no childcare responsibilities and no actual el- like caring for relatives responsibilities? How did you get this? He said he went off on one. He just went off on a wax really lyrical. He's like, I used to believe in this knife before wife thing, uh, but it cost me a marriage. And not because I was a naughty boy, just because I was working so many hours that my wife who was in healthcare, she was a nurse or whatever at the time was like, I can't, I can't deal with this. I never see you. And we, we never do things as family. Uh, and he's like, I remember one time we went away for our anniversary and I called it short to go and do a case that no one else was capable of doing as a consultant. No one else was able to do this case. She was like, you're not going, you're not serious. Like, I am. I'm going to do it. So he left their anniversary holiday early to go do this case. And he's like, um, I'm on, I'm on wife number two now, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't make that mistake again. She'd chop my head off, but uh, I also wouldn't do it. So yeah, you know what? Just go off, be happy, enjoy life. I wouldn't do what I did if I knew what I knew now. Yeah, go for it. Go less than full time. And uh, yeah, he was much, much happier for it. I think, yeah, attitudes are changing. I think you're right that it, it, it is very much a, a thing of the previous generation where it was very much, if you're a surgeon, you, this is your life, you're dedicating your life to it. Whereas I think what we realise, probably because of a lot of research that's come out, but I think just ex, you know, seeing people who have dedicated their lives to a profession um, and how they've experienced it and how they say they've experienced it, um, I think people are realising that actually, you know, you have to be, you have to be content you have to in, in be, you have to enjoy your career um, in order to do it well. If you spend your whole life um, working and you don't have any stuff outside work, then when you do retire, it's almost like you grieve. You're grieving for the thing that you've lost. You know, grief is is a, is a difficult thing to 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 contend with. You know, it leads you to questioning your place in the world and how you carry on with this loss and what your life looks like now. And you don't want to be stuck there grieving 
because you were this big deal. You know, you're a big fish in a big pond or even a big fish in a little pond. And now you're taken out of the pond and you're like a tiny little fishbowl and that's all you exist in. You know, medical students of today and doctors of today, so many of them have turned the hand to so many things. Like I went to med school with someone who played Cosette in in Les Miserables on the West End. Do you know, like she was like a West End actress and she's choosing to be a doctor over a, a perhaps a glitzy West End career. And like people who went to the Olympics, there's a guy that was, I can't remember what, some sort of kayaking thing, essentially go downhill. And then it's like white water rafting, but Olympic, I've forgotten the name of it. And, it, you know, in the middle of med school, it's like, all right, uh, I'm going to pause. I'm going to have to drop down here because I'm uh, I'm off to the Olympics. And like, that's crazy. So if you get people who are this skilled, and I, I mean, I'm going to take into an extreme there, but I'm sure there's like people who are good at art and people who have done like other stage shows and they're competent musicians and they do X, Y, Z thing. If you're telling people that they're going to have to choose to give up their passions their hobbies that they've pursued to the highest skill in order to serve, which is in a way to think about it, to serve other people. Well, you're going to get people going, no, actually, no, I'm doing that. I can retain myself a sense of self. When people are, as you say, you know, um, pursuing a, another thing, especially when they're doing it to a high level, I don't think people do, you know, try and dissuade them from, from doing that. Um, certainly at med school, anyone who had like a, cause we, we had some, you know, People probably not Olympic standard, but people who were um, pursuing certain sports to to a high degree. The deans of the med school and stuff were very supportive of it, and would give them time off and stuff for it because it was nice to have these people with all these unique skills. Um, and certainly, you know, there are lots of doctors who go off and do stuff. Like, for example, case in point, actually, bit of a bonkers guy. But I worked for a consultant in the Northwest, and if you know, you know, um, who did Ironman. So he did Ironman triathlons, and he's very proud of it. Like, you know, the department photo of who he is. It's a photo of him crossing the Ironman finish line. And obviously it takes a lot of commitment. He would cycle into work. He would run into work sometimes. He would be on call and at the weekend, and I'd be on with him, and he'd say, right, um, I'm just going to go out on the bike. Uh, my phone's available, so call me if you need me, but I'm really trying to get, you know, 112 miles in because that's what I need to do. And the trust would give him time off, go and do Ironman or to train or whatever. And I think that's the kind of thing that he obviously he did, not just as a consultant, but he did as a as a senior reg and he's just sort of stuck with it. So I think it's very possible and doable now. I don't think there's as much stigma to it. So I think we're in a good time. Well, I think I think the opposite is it's not there's no stigma against it. There's actually a stigma against not having uh, stuff outside of work. I find sometimes it's the first thing people ask you. So, so what do you like doing outside of work? Because you know it's what makes you unique as a person. So I was I was on a I think it was ATLS course recently. They wanted to do an icebreaker where they said go around, say your name, and say what you like to do. Like what's your hobby? I think some people find this very worrying because often you know what they like doing outside is just you know. PlayStation and things like that, which is fine, but um, they don't want to be that guy who, um, you know, doesn't have anything to say. They were going around all these people and people saying, oh, yeah, I like uh, playing football and cooking and all this stuff. And this guy at the end just goes, yeah, I just like watching Netflix. <laughs> 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 and everyone was like, oh, why didn't I say that? <laughs> you know what? 
don't think there's anything wrong with that. If if you want to watch Netflix and you want to be happy and it keeps you on an even keel, then yeah, go for it. I think it's I think it's fine. Like we talked about previously, there's a, there's a huge element of psychology related to surgical performance, and I feel like you need to be in a all right place mentally. And if you feel under the caution, you feel hard done by, and you're in a stressful environment. Sometimes you do need to, if you like, you can't stand the heat, you do need to get out of the kitchen. Or you just need to make sure that you spend lots of time not in the kitchen. So when you are in the kitchen, you can withstand the heat. I'm not sure that's the original meaning of the of the phrase, but uh, there we go. You just need to have that balance. I think that's a nice way of putting it. Um, certainly when you meet people who are just, you know, when you meet someone who they put up with a lot of, uh, a lot of stress, Everything's coming their way and they just seem to have this aura of calmness and they just seem to not be affected by it. And it's usually because they've got something outside of work where they take all their stress out. Our hours and stuff, they are capped because there's obviously like a need to... Spend that time away from work. I think I've done like one set of locums in my life because I just think, I'd, do I really need the money? I'd rather tighten my belt than locum because I'd rather have my time. Time is our most precious resource. You know, money fluctuates. The value of money changes. Inflation's gone up, so our money's worth less. Maybe it drops, maybe whatever. You've got equity in a house. The house rises, falls. What? Who knows? It's always thing. Time is the one truly finite resource and that for me is worth more than anything else really absolutely having said this it's important not to have too much time i've found having my lots of time off is that i'm sort of you're not valuing it as much um just because you know i got i stopped working and then i was like right i've got like six weeks off now so i'm just gonna do nothing. I think, yeah, it can go the other way. And I'm starting now to get to the place where I'm kind of missing being back at work a bit. Um, not that much. But, <laughs> you know, um, you know it's, it, we, we do this job because we do enjoy it. Um, yeah. I think often in our job, though, it's, it's, it goes one way and you've got to sort of prevent it from, from the seesaw, from just flipping over. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, like, I genuinely enjoy surgery. Like, I really like it. And if I had to do it all again, I would. If I have it in a mindset as something that I like to enjoy and it is paying my way through things. But if I see it as a hobby, I don't, I begrudge the job less. And then just like other hobbies, when I've undertook too much and I'm getting fed up, I just think I'll take a bit of a break away from it. Give myself a bit of a break. And I feel like it's the, the same kind of attitude I employ in this job or paid hobby. Whichever way you want to see it. Yeah. No, I remember when Reg, who, um, I think we were just talking one day and we were talking about what we'd do if we won the lottery. We got to him and we were like, Oh, what would you do? And he's like, Yeah, you quit your job. And he's like, No, I wouldn't quit my job. I'd stay working. Um, like, I love it too much. I love my job. I would, I would just have more money. <laughs> that was it. I think that is one of the privileges of our job is that we take it for granted sometimes is that we do enjoy it. Um, yeah wouldn't do it otherwise there's a lot of people especially these days who don't like their job um and just do it purely for the money 
I think it's something we do take for granted is that our job is enjoyable and fulfilling. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't change the the excitement or the whatever I get in my job for less hours, more pay, but for the tedium and the, the mediocrity that comes with working in, in industry sometimes. Someone once described it to me as type two fun. You ever heard of this? No, I haven't. There's type one fun, which is like you're you're at the beach, yeah. you've got an ice cream. You're having fun. You know you're having fun at the time. Type two fun is when at the time you're like, this is horrible. Um, um this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And then afterwards you look back on it, you're like, actually that was quite fun. That's what our our job is like. Yeah, 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 I agree. I agree. I, th- I think it, I think it's quite true, actually. I think you need type one fun and type two fun. Two fun all the time, because <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't be too fun all the time because then it, it's then you then you lose sight of what fun actually is and in, in, in the appreciation of it. This is a big question, though. There are some people out there who have argued and will argue that, that as a surgeon, you should be devoting as much time as you can for your self-development and career and everything. They'd argue that, oh, have you had that morning off? You shouldn't be cycling around there. <laughs> but do you think there is an argument that we, as surgeons, as surgical trainees, should have less of a work-life balance than you know, other people? Oh, interesting. Um, no, I don't really think so. Actually, I get I get the point they're making, but the the problem is the people that make these points, right? They're all boys and girls. So they're quite senior, and they trained in a time when things were great. They they paid no tuition fees. They lived on site for for now. They had kitchens open twenty four seven. They didn't get aggro, they didn't get hassle, and they'd be say, Oh doctor, could you remove bed four? And they'd be sat in the mess going, Yes, certainly, nurse. Let me finish my scone and finish my half pint of bitter. Then I'm going to have a nap and then I will turn to this patient. I, I get a bit of a postprandial dip. So it's very easy when you were trained in that sort of environment to to say that because you really were well looked after compared to now where you're on call for like three, four hundred patients. And the only sort of sustenance you've got is a vending machine that gives you like some nasty tuna pasta bake or a, a pasty that you have to shove in a microwave and heat up for 20 seconds. Coke zero at two pound a bottle. And, and you've also got a hundred thousand pounds worth of debt. So I, I just feel like if, if we were treated the way the people that make these comments were treated, then yeah, maybe, maybe we, we do have a sort of a higher professional duty, but. Times have changed, circumstances have changed. I, and you can't, it's, it's like a sunk cost. You can't sink your entire life into a job that's not making it easy for you. And at the end of the day, you know, we, we have lives, we have responsibilities, we have families and stuff, and we have things that we need to do. And uh, I think the thing that tipped it in my favor was 
there was a very, very senior consultant that I used to work for, and I used to like going to his clinics, and he used to make a lot of jokes about this. He was like, I'm the only general surgeon left in this deanery because when I trained, you were a surgeon, and I did hips, and I did prostates, and I did bypasses, and I did whipples and I did whatever and that that's the way you did things if you're a surgeon you're a surgeon on this specialization when it came to his retirement due they were like oh we'll be so sad to see you leave he's like I bloody won't once I've gone through these doors you're never going to see me again unless I'm dead I, I privately had a bit of a word with him and I asked him what he meant by that I was just curious what and he said mark my words like listen to me now this this bit's the most important lesson in surgery I can tell you I've been training for years and years and years and I've been a consultant how old are you now and so he's like I've been a consultant longer than I've been alive and I've trained hundreds of little oiks that are just sniffing around this job waiting to replace me and when I go from here right what's going to happen is I get my you know my little thank you card and, and a platter from Costco and it's all empty platitudes about how I've changed the department how I've done this that and the other but as soon as I'm gone right someone in management is going to come along and scrape my name off the door and they're going to then slide in another name from one of these little oiks that I've spent years training who's who's a hack let's be honest they're, they're, he's like, they're bloody hopeless and they're going to take up my job and then I'm going to be gone and if you sink your entire life into this place. The second you are gone, you're left with now. See, I've got grandkids I probably need to spend time with. It's like, I've got a band. We do blues music. I want to actually start doing stuff. Maybe I'll put out an album. Maybe I won't. I don't know. I thought about taking a cruise. There's all this other sort of stuff. you just got to make sure that you've got a life outside these walls because i tell you what happens when you come back. You come back in and they go, oh, Rob, oh, so good to see you again. How are you? How's things? And you tell them, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Next time you've got a call in advance and then you you might pop in again. And I've seen it happen to my colleagues. Oh, Rob, you should have you should have told us you were coming. Oh, we would have uh that's okay, we'll we'll show you around. Yeah, 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 okay. But next time do call and then you turn up again and they're like, Oh yeah, no, you really should call. The the carousel keeps on turning. It turns independently of whether you're here or not, and then the show keeps going. That's it. If you spent your entire life trying to build up this, build up that, build up that, build up that. Then you're left with now and no sense of worth and no sense of purpose. Uh, and, and he's like, and don't get me wrong. I love my career. I've had a great time. I've done so many things. It really was a privilege. But once I leave these doors, I am never coming back here again, unless I am literally dying. And even then, <laughs> I just say, just, just, uh, just palliate me. I don't want any of these hack jobs touching me. <laughs> God. Was that at the beginning of your career you had this? Yeah, CT1, actually. I was like, I was not expecting that. But uh, yeah, fairly wise words. And I feel like that's, that does set a precedent, you know. It does It does really, not. T- it's not taint the way you think, but yeah, it's got a point. One day we're all going to retire. And when we retire, if you've invested in something that you know is coming to an end and you've made it your life's work, but it is going to end one day, what are you left with? The friends, the families or relatives, whoever it is, whoever your little tribe are, they're the ones that are going to back you when you eventually you hang up your scalpel and think, oh, I'm done now. 